Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. It's great to be with you guys this morning. If you're saved and you're thankful, can you say amen? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be today. Um, while you're opening up your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, I want to tell you a quick little personal story. Um, I don't know if you can feel this way. Hey, guys, I just met a bunch of these guys up here in the front yesterday. Hello. Um, it's great. Glad you guys are here. Uh, so I don't know how you guys feel, but my dad, I sometimes I feel like my dad can do anything. Like, I don't know if you had one of those dads where it's just like, they have dad powers, you know, they can just do anything. I feel like that's kind of the way my dad was. Um, a year, a, a few years ago, my mom and dad came from Michigan. They came down here to Ohio to hang out with me and my family. And uh, my mom didn't have any daughters um, in our household, so it was just me and Phil. And, uh, you know, because of that, she now loves to spend time with her granddaughters. And so when she comes down, she wants to schedule all these special things with, with uh, my girls. And so she was like, I want to take them for a shopping day and all that. So we loaded them all up in my van and mom and the girls went out shopping. This was on a Saturday. And so uh, Saturdays for pastors are interesting because everybody else is kind of relaxing and doing their, you know, kind of weekend thing. Pastors are cramming their sermon for the next day, right? So like I'm busy trying to get my sermon ready to preach the next day. And uh, a couple hours later, my mom calls me and she was like, Jason, I'm sorry, but your car won't start, your van won't start, and we're stuck out here in the parking lot. So immediately I went from like, pastor sermon prep guy to like totally sinful ungodly man I was like very I was so frustrated about my car being broke down so I'm, I grab my dad and I'm like all right dad let's go we got to go try to fix the van so we hustle out there and uh you know I'm trying to do this really fast I, I grab you know what's the first thing you do if your car won't start you grab the jumper cables and you set it up and you give it a jump and you try it. so I go put the cables on and I try to start the uh the the van and right away some sort of ungodly noise comes out of my car engine that I had never heard before, and I'm like, oh no. You guys know what I did, right? I made the rookie mistake of putting the jumper cables on backwards. Uh -huh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I immediately knew, all right, <clears throat> battery is toast. I'm going to have to get a new battery. Let's check all the fuses. We found a fuse that was broken as well. And so uh, we could run into Meyer real quick and get the battery replaced. That was no problem. But the fuse was hard to find. So we started calling around all these different like shops, trying to like auto repair parts stores and try to get the right, um, the right fuse. And, uh, you know, we couldn't find one. And so I'm so frustrated about this. I'm getting so mad. And um, I look at my dad out of exasperation. I'm, I'm so frustrated and desperate. I'm like, dad, do you have any thoughts on this? And my dad kind of was like, you know, doing his dad thing. And he's like, do you have a knife? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Every, every guy has a knife. I start looking around my car everywhere. I don't have a knife. I, <laughs> I have to go back to my dad and I'm like, I don't have a knife. And he's like, you don't have a knife. Like, what's wrong with you? You're, whose son are you? And so like, you know, I, uh, and so I don't have a knife. And he was like, okay, how about a pen? And I'm like, yeah, I got a pen here in the console. He takes the pen. He's like, do you have any tape? How about a penny? And I'm like, yeah, I got some tape here and I got a penny here. A few minutes later, my dad comes back with this fuse, duct taped together, you know, kind of just rigged up. And he's like, pop it in there and see, see if it'll work if you start your car. I'm like, come on, dad. So I pop the fuse in and I go to start the car and vroom, 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 starts right up. Like, here it goes. And I'm like, what just happened here? Like, my dad is like modern day MacGyver, right? Like, you guys, some of you guys who weren't living alive in the 80s, you're like, who's MacGyver? I don't know. Go check out Netflix, greatest series on Netflix. Um, but my dad made this work and it was incredible. And so, like, me and my dad had this, uh, 
drive home where it went from like me being really frustrated to like this really sweet conversation with my dad where I felt like I was a kid again and I'm like I'm like oh dad you're so awesome like who taught you that dad can you show me because you know and it's like we had this really good time together but sometimes it just seems like my dad can do anything and maybe you guys can relate if you had a dad like that because in that moment in my moment of need I had to learn to trust in who I was with rather than in the things I had or the things I didn't have. I had to learn to trust in who I was with. Guys, how much more so with our Heavenly Father? How much more so with our Heavenly Father? It doesn't just seem like He can do anything. He actually can do anything, right? He can do it. So when we're talking today, I, I really the point that I want us to understand today is this. We must learn to trust in the provider far more than we learn to trust in the provision. Right? We have got to learn to trust in the provider far, more, far much more than we uh, have learned to trust in the provision. This is week two in our sermon series as we're going through the uh, Lord's Prayer. Um, we're taking four weeks to you know, really ask the Lord to grow us as a praying church. And I'm really thankful to be walking through this series with you right now because there are some big things coming up in the life of our church. We're going into the fall. You guys know how it goes in the fall. It's almost like a new start, a restart for church life where all the new ministries kick off and everything goes on. And, and we're gonna be reestablishing the mission and vision of our church this fall. We're gonna be asking you as church members and regular attenders to join in that mission and be part of it. Later this fall, we're gonna launch a building campaign. And you know that's gonna be a, a big deal for us to walk through. So as elders of the church, we just said, Lord, we wanna take these four weeks and just focus on prayer. Lord, prepare our hearts. Make us uh, prepared for whatever you have for our future. And so we're asking the Lord to grow us and mature us as a praying church. That's what we want. Last week, uh, Scott Dixon kicked off this sermon series um, talking about the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And the main focus of his message was that prayer starts with a name. Prayer starts with a name. We said that um, you know, the way you refer to somebody really is, it reveals what sort of relationship you have with that person. And this is basic stuff, right? But like saying, yes, sir, is much different than saying, hi, mom, right? Saying, uh, excuse me, Mr. Such and Such is much different than saying, hey, uh, good morning, son, right? That's, there's a, the way you refer to somebody is indicative of the type of relationship that you have. And so we said last week that prayer starts with a name and God, the way we refer to him is our father. He's our father who is in heaven, right? That's where we started last week. We're going to focus on the second part of the Lord's Prayer today. Where we're going to be talking about how Jesus taught us to pray and ask for our daily bread. Um, when we talk about asking for daily bread, again, the, the main idea from the message today is this, that praying for daily bread includes learning to trust um, far more in the provider than in the provision, right? This is the, the main idea that you're gonna hear repeated over and over. Um, if you're able-bodied, I wanna ask you to stand with me out of respect for God's word. We're gonna read the Lord's Prayer together. Um, and as we read it from the scripture, I'd actually like to ask you to, to just read it out loud, almost as a prayer from your own heart. We're gonna read from Matthew chapter six, verses nine through 13. Um, I know we have, many of us have different versions of scripture in the room, so we put the Lord's Prayer on the screen behind me. We can just read it from the screen together. So starting in verse nine of Matthew chapter six, 
Um, Jesus says this, pray then like this, let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you're one of God's people today and you believe these, the words of this prayer, can you just say amen? Amen. You guys can have a seat. So today we're focusing on verse 11 and Jesus' instruction to pray for daily bread. The way that I want to walk through this message today is very simple, very straightforward. I really want us to answer three questions today. What is daily bread? Where does it come from? And how do we get it? All right. What is daily bread? Where does it come from? And how do we get it? And at the end of our service today, just like we've been doing for the past uh, two weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to have an open time of prayer together at the end of this service where anybody who wants to can just pray out loud right from your seat, and we're going to give you some things to pray over as a church together. And I, let me just kind of mention this up front. Like, I recognize that for us as a church, this is kind of a new thing for us. Like, this is unusual, and uh, it can be a little bit uncomfortable if you're not used to praying out loud, but kind of the illustration that helps me work it through is that this praying out loud together as a church, this is kind of like working a new muscle. It's uncomfortable at first, but the more you do it, the stronger it gets, right? So that's what we're asking. Lord, make us stronger as a praying church. So that's what we'll do toward the end of the service today. Before we do that, let's answer our three questions. First one, what is daily bread? What is daily bread? Jesus tells us uh, to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. What is, what's the daily bread that Jesus is referring to? The short and simple answer is that daily bread is it's the basic things we need for daily living. Right? It's the basic things we need for daily living. This is why Jesus calls it daily bread. It's the stuff you need today. Right? Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. Right? So we're asking for what we need right now in the here and now. One of the challenges is that we as a people, like we can get so used to like not just thinking about what we need for today, but what we need for next month or next year or our five-year plan or our retirement plan. Like we start thinking so much about our needs and we conflate them with the long-term rather than the immediate. Jesus, when he gives us the, the instruction to pray for daily bread, it really is what are our legitimate needs in the moment. We're reading from the book of Matthew, right? Matthew, if you recall, one of Jesus' disciples, is writing this letter, his gospel, to a Jewish crowd, largely Jewish crowd. And the Jewish people, when they heard the phrase daily bread, their minds would have immediately raced back to some of their ancestry, their heritage, where what do we know about the people of Israel? We know that when God delivered them from Egypt and they were being rescued, um, they did what? They, they were going through the desert, they started to complain, and uh, they, they kind of lost faith and confidence in their God. And so God said, okay, you're going to wander through the desert. But God, in his mercy and his love towards his people, he said, I'm not going to have you starve to death in your wandering. But instead, I'm going to provide for you literal, what, bread from heaven. You guys remember what it was called in the Old Testament? Manna, right? Manna. And so if you, uh, it's really funny. If you actually go back and read the Old Testament description of manna, I think it sounds a lot like vanilla wafers. But that's just, you know, that's just my weird mind. But God literally provided bread from heaven for them. But here's what God told them. God said, hey, when you collect your bread from heaven, just take what you need for today. Don't collect more than you need. Don't, don't collect what you think you're gonna need tomorrow. 
Just take what you need for today. And indeed, if they did take more than they needed for that day, what ended up happening to the extra bread that they took? It spoiled, right? It actually says in the scripture that it became full of maggots and it stunk, right? right? Um, and so, you know, as I think about our lives, guys, um, our lives can stink so much when we start doubting God, disbelieving his promises, and then living in disobedience. Don't we just make a mess out of our lives that way when we, doubt leads to disbelief, to disobedience. Um, God is teaching the people of Israel, trust me for the basic needs that you have today. Trust me as your provider. And that's what Jesus is teaching us to pray through the Lord's Prayer. Here's the challenge, especially for us, those of us who are in affluent, um, cozy, comfortable United States of America. It is really hard to trust the Lord for the basics when you're so used to having plenty. It really is. All you have to do, if you've raised kids, you know this, right? Like you can tell your kids, your kids are like, I, I'd like to have a snack. You go to give them the basics like some grapes or some apples. Mm-mm. That's not what they want. We have plenty of other options in the pantry, don't we? They want a different snack. You tell your 10-year-old they want to play a game. All right, let's go play a game. Oh, no, now they don't just want a game. They want a video game, video game system, right? You, you start to get to your 15 or 16-year-old, and they want to drive. It's not just about having a car. It's about having a nice, impressive, fast car, right? And so what happens? We end up getting in this mindset where having the basics actually becomes difficult for us um, when we are used to having plenty. But the reality is that this is not just a kid's problem, right? It's not just a kid's problem. And I know this. Because when I was in college, I worked at Cracker Barrel, and I worked as a server, and all the Christians go to Cracker Barrel on Sunday. And here's what happens. All the Christians come into Cracker Barrel on Sunday, fresh out of church, and they sit out at their table, and I come up to them to take their order. Hey, I'm Jason. I'll be taking care of you today. What can I get for you? I can't even get the question out of my mouth. Can we get a bread? Can we get the, can we get the biscuits? I'm like, yep, they're coming. And you come back to some people sometime and you're like, you know, I'm really sorry. We're out of biscuits. We're going to be out for a little while. And you would have think I just, I just cussed out the Christians, right? Like you would think I just committed the unpardonable sin. What do you mean? You don't have any biscuits. That's why we came here. Like, okay, that's great. I'm a server. What can I do to help you? I'm not, I'm not like the bread maker, you know? And, uh, and, and so we have all these Christians who probably just got out of a sermon on the Lord's Prayer who are now coming and like struggling to trust the Lord when they don't have their biscuits. This, right, like this is the type of way we live in America. Like it's kind of funny and some of you are kind of like, uh, I guess I kind of do that sometimes, right? Like because as we become adults, it really isn't, in American Christianity, we can really struggle because we don't just want a spouse. We, want, we don't want just a spouse that loves the Lord, right? We want somebody who checks all our boxes and meets all of our... Pre- and we create this person that we want to marry that literally doesn't exist, right? Like, like, that's the way... Because we're so used to just getting what we want in our culture. You know, we, uh, we get into our, our 30s or so, and we're, we start thinking to ourselves, it's not just about having a house. 
It's about having a nice house in a nice neighborhood where we can be impressive. You know, we start thinking about these things. You get into your 40s and you're into your career. And it's not just about having a job that meets your needs. It becomes about having a really good, high-profile, impressive job. You get into your 60s and it's not just having enough in your uh, bank account to retire, but it's having enough to retire and live a luxurious life. And this is kind of the way it works in American culture. In a world filled with so many options, it is easy to fall into the trap of entitlement rather than to live with contentment. It really is. It really is. We gotta be careful not to conflate our needs and our wants because when we do that, if, if we get into a spot where we're not getting everything we want, we can start to act like God's not keeping up his end of the deal. That, that, and we can struggle to trust the Lord. But God, listen, God has never promised to provide all the extras we want. But he has always, pro- always promised to provide all the basics we need. And that's what we trust him for. This is what daily bread is. It's the basics you need for every day. That's what God promises us. That's what we ask for. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, where does daily bread come from, right? First question, what is daily bread? It's the basics we need for daily life. Where does daily bread come from? It comes from who? Our Father who art in heaven. That's where we started last week, right? Today we're reading verse 11. Last week we focused on verse nine. Prayer starts with a name. It starts with our Father. Before we get to our request for bread, we must remember our Father in heaven, what does it mean that God is a heavenly father? I think so many of us, we pray and we, we pray and we refer to God as our heavenly father. It's just kind of common nomenclature for us. We just use the words. What does it mean that God is our heavenly father? At a, at a very basic level, it means we are people on earth, right? God exists in heaven. He has a bigger perspective than us. He's, he's here, he's omnipresent, but he's also in heaven, like he has a perspective that we can't see. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows things from start to finish. He knows everything that's going on in the world, not just like us, we see what's just going on in our world, right? God knows it all. Um, we have a heavenly father. I, uh, I think it's important to hone in on those words because as a father, if you're saved, if you're born again, if you're one of his children, as a father, he loves you as one of his own. But as a heavenly father, he has a perspective that's far bigger than your own, right? Um, I love what Scott Dixon said last week when he preached. Um, I wrote it down. He said, uh, as a king, God is more than able. As a father, he's more than willing. What a great statement. That's been resounding with me all week long. Our daily bread comes from our Heavenly Father. I want to just share with you guys um, for a minute about one of the most impactful personal experiences that I've had with prayer uh, since, I've really, since I've been alive, but especially since I've been in ministry. Um, in the year 2010, I was at a uh, Christian conference in Louisville, Kentucky. It's called Together for the Gospel. And when I was there, there was a young uh, kind of becoming well-known pastor. His name was Matt Chandler. And Matt Chandler spoke, and he had brain cancer. 
you watched him come up to speak and his head is shaved and he's got a scar on his head and he's dealing with brain cancer. At the end of his message, you know, he talked about how he wanted to, to walk through uh, his, his cancer publicly. He wanted to, by God's grace, walk through suffering faithfully so that his church really could, uh, could see an example of somebody. He wanted to practice what he preached to his church. And so he preached and he said, whether, you know, whether the Lord calls me home to heaven or allows me to stay here, it's in his hands. You know, whether by life or by death, I want to glorify the Lord. And he preached his heart out in that message. And uh, at the end of his preaching, a bunch of the older pastors who were there, they all came up and they laid their hands on Matt Chandler and they were going to pray over him. And, and um, one of the pastors that prayed over Matt Chandler was one of my kind of earthly heroes. It's a, a pastor named John Piper. And when John Piper prayed, you know, over Matt Chandler, he prayed specifically that God would heal him of cancer, that the cancer cells would be killed, um, that God would remove all of that. But when he prayed, he also prayed that God would be glorified, whether it's through Matt Chandler's life or through Matt Chandler's death. And, um, you know, I just, there was a certain portion of that prayer that really deeply impacted me. And I went back this week and I found the video of that prayer. And I want to show you the last about two minutes of John Piper's prayer and it's the last maybe 15 seconds of his prayer that actually deeply impacted me. I want to go ahead and show it to you here now. So now Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would heal that chamber. Touch his brain. And anywhere that the everyday cells have gone, kill them, Lord. Destroy. Here we are, 11 years later, and Matt Chandler is still cancer-free, which we praise the Lord for. But that's not why I showed you the clip today. Because the reality is that I personally and many of you have probably laid hands and prayed on people who you've asked the Lord to remove cancer from them, and sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. His will be done. I'm showing you that clip today because of the way 
that this older pastor, John Piper, prayed during those last 15 seconds. If you caught what he said, he said this, you are God, we submit. You won't give us a snake, you won't give us a stone. Only good things are coming. That little snippet of a prayer made a deep impact on me. Why is that? Well, today we're talking about the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. But if you just look one chapter forward in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, Jesus continues to teach his disciples to pray. And in this section of Scripture, let me just read for you Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. Jesus says this, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now catch this. Or which one of you, right? Imagine Jesus talking to a crowd here. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Right? Every dad in the room who loves their kids, they're like, none of us would do that. Like, we're not going to give stones to our kids. Or if he asks for a fish, which one of you will give him a serpent? Again, the answer is none. And then Jesus says in verse 11, if you then who are evil, right, sinful, broken, unrighteous people like you and I, like if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? Guys, John Piper prayed for cancer to be removed. That was the fish and bread, so to speak, that John Piper was asking God. But he trusted God that no matter how things shook out, whether the cancer stayed or, go, or, or left, whether uh, Matt Chandler lived or died, he trusted that God would give good things. What did he say? We know you won't give a snake. We, won't, we know you won't give a stone. Only good things are coming. He rooted his prayer in the understanding that his heavenly father is always good. Here's why I'm bringing this up to you and really preaching to myself today because you probably come into this room today and you probably have real needs in your life. There are probably real things that you're like, you know, Lord, I need this from you. I'm asking this from you. This, this doesn't seem to me to be a want. This is a need. And we come in and we present our request to the Lord. We're asking him for bread or fish, so to speak, in our own lives. And here's what we need to know. You need to know this. If you're a believer today, listen. Whatever God gives you, even if it's not the bread or the fish that you're asking for, it will never be a snake or a stone. It will never be, because God will always give you what is good. He is a good heavenly father. Even if he doesn't give you exactly what you're asking for, he will always give you what is best. This is the daily bread that we trust the Lord for. He's a good father. Praying for daily bread means doing what? We trust the provider far more than we trust the provision. Is your trust today in the character of God, in your heavenly good father? We've talked so far about what is daily bread. It's our basic needs for daily life. What is, uh, where does it come from? It comes from our heavenly father. Third question how do we get it? We get it, very simply stated, by asking. We ask. 
Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. And part of that was, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. We've got to ask. Jesus taught us to ask the Lord for what we need. Why? This really struck me as I was studying this past week because in chapter 6, you know, we're reading here in verse 11, but if you just back up to like verse 8, Jesus says, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask him. And so, so if God already knows what we need before we ask, then why ask? At least two reasons. Here's why we still need to ask. Number one, it keeps you humble. Asking keeps you humble. It's hard to ask for help, isn't it? It keeps you humble when you have to ask for what you need. Jesus keeps us humble by, by saying like you, he's reminding us, you are humbly dependent upon the Lord. Prayer says, Heavenly Father, I'm depending on you because I can't do it myself. I, I can't give myself the job. I can't make all this money appear and provide for myself. I can't change my son or daughter's heart. I can't change my husband or wife's heart. I can't fix my broken body. I can't heal myself. Lord, Lord, I'm dependent on you. Please do it, right? When you have to ask for help, it keeps you humble. Well, what's the opposite of humility? Pride. Pride. So are you guys tracking with me? If you don't pray, and if I don't pray, then what are we? Prideful. We're prideful. We're full of pride. God, I got it. I don't need your help with my family. I don't need your help with my life. I kind of got this all figured out. I'm not going to ask for help. See, why do we pray? Why does Jesus ask us to pray? Jesus tells us to pray because it keeps us humble. Jesus also tells us to pray because it keeps us thankful. It keeps us thankful. Some of you have heard of a gentleman who lived in England in the 1800s. His name was George Mueller. George Mueller was a pastor. He also ran orphanages. George Mueller ended up building five orphan homes, and he cared in his lifetime for over 10,000 orphans. Well, here's a true story about one day that one of their orphanages ran out of food. All right? I'll just read it to you. One morning... All the plates and cups and bowls on the table were empty. There was no food in the larder, no money to buy food. The children were standing, waiting for their morning meal. When George Mueller said, Children, you know we must be in time for school. Then lifting up his hands, he prayed, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. He opened his eyes and all the plates were still empty. At that moment, there was a knock on the door. The story goes that the local baker stood there and he said, Mr. Mueller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have enough bread for breakfast for the children and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread and here, I have brought it for you. And he gave him bread for the children. Mr. Mueller thanked the baker, and as soon as he had left, soon there was a second knock at the door. It was the milkman. He announced that, remember milkman, any of you? All right, okay. Goes right along with MacGyver. Um, It was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage, and he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so that he could empty his wagon in order to move it and repair it. 
See how God provides? Do you believe that God provides this morning? You believe it? See, here's the thing. He may not always provide in the way we wish he would. We may, he may not always provide in the timing we wish he would. But nevertheless, God always provides. Listen, sometimes he may let your plate stay empty for a while. You know why? So that you become humble enough to ask for help and you become thankful when he fills it up. What is God doing when we, he's calling us to pray? He's keeping us humble. He's keeping us thankful. God tells us that we are, how do we get our daily bread? By praying. Um, I, uh, as I think about all of this, I, when we pray, we should have no hesitation, I guess, coming before the Lord, asking for what we want. I think some of us, as we uh, go through our Christian life, we get, we get too busy, we don't pray. Sometimes, sometimes we don't pray because we feel, um, uh, you know, other people have bigger needs than me, so I don't pray. And we, we kind of fake ourselves out like we're being humble because we're more concerned about not praying for our stuff. We'll just let other people burden God with his time and energy, you know, for their needs. We convince ourselves not to pray. But at the end of the day, the Lord wants to keep us humble, humble enough to ask, and then make us thankful when we see him provide. Where have we been so far in this message? Question number one. What is daily bread? Daily bread is the basics that we need for daily life. Question number two, where does it come from? It comes from our Heavenly Father. Question number three, how do we get it? We've got to ask. We've got to ask. All of you guys who are here today, you probably come and you probably have needs that you feel, felt needs in your life. You know what your biggest need is today? Everybody in this room, we all, we all share the same thing. You know what our biggest need is? Our biggest need is, um, it's not kind of like family or relationships with people. Our biggest need is not um, money or a job or a career. Our biggest need is not good health and uh, a better life. Our, our biggest need is not Food and shelter, like it's not even those basics. Our biggest need this morning is God. God is your biggest need. You need him. Because here's the thing, you can have friends and family and relationships and house and career and uh, good health and, and you can have food and shelter aplenty and you can still be dying in your soul. You can have all those things and when this life is over, you could still be separated from God and end up in hell forever. You need God. So, how do you get God? <laughs> That's really the question, right? Like, how do we get God? We get God through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus preached to the crowds and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you want God, you gotta come through Jesus. Jesus, Jesus made it very clear. He said, I am the bread of life. Eat of me and you will never die. Right? Like, this is, what we need is Jesus. So how do we, if, if what we need is Jesus, how do, we, how do we take Jesus in? How do we get Jesus? We get Jesus the same way that we get bread. We, we take bread, we eat it, we take it into ourselves. It's the same way with Jesus. You need to receive Jesus into your life through faith. If you have never had the moment in your, in your life where you have repented of your sin, you've never 
said, God, I'm a sinner before you. I need your forgiveness. I understand you sent Jesus to die on the cross in my place to pay for my sin so my sin can be forgiven and I can have a good relationship with a holy and righteous and perfect God like you. If you've never had that moment where you've repented of your sin and believed in Jesus Christ, you have not yet taken Jesus into your life. Therefore, you still don't have a personal relationship with God. You want God, you must repent and believe and have faith in Jesus. Have you taken him in? Have you taken him in? If you haven't, you need to do it today. Today must be the day of your salvation because the truth is when this lifetime is over, you don't get any other chances. You're gonna stand before the Lord in judgment and your final judgment is gonna be placed and it's gonna be heaven or hell. And those who know Christ will be in heaven and those who don't know him, God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. You need to know the Lord. So you must trust in Jesus. See, Jesus, here's the thing. We talk about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus didn't just come to to give you bread, daily bread. Jesus came to be your bread. He wants to be your eternal life. Have you taken him in? Have you taken him in? Now, many of us in the room, we have. We've trusted Christ as our Savior. We have a relationship with God through Jesus, and we praise the Lord for that. And here we are in life, and we still have regular daily needs. So what do we do now? We come before the Lord in humility and we say, Lord, I need you. I need you. What are you needing the Lord to provide in your life today? What are your your basic needs? Maybe you have heavy things on your heart today. I want to encourage you with one verse of scripture from Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Romans 8, 32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, will he not graciously give us all things? God gave you the most precious thing that he has. He gave you Jesus. He sent Jesus to die for you. If God didn't hold that back, why would he hold back lesser things? Right? Like, God is going to give you what is good for you. He will. But you got to ask him. Humble yourself and ask. You can trust him. He may not give you exactly what you're asking for, but whatever he gives you, it's never going to be stones, it's never going to be snakes, and it will always be for your good right? You can trust him. He's a heavenly father. He's an all-powerful king. Now, many of us in this room, you're familiar with the song Amazing Grace. It was written years ago by a man named John Newton. John Newton also wrote this other song uh, that many of us don't know. It's called Thou Art Coming to a King. And one of the stanzas from that song says this. One of the stanzas says, Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. What a great line to an old song. When we come before the Lord in prayer, don't hold back, guys. He's an all-powerful king. He's also your heavenly father. Like Scott said last week, he's not just more than able, but as your heavenly father, he's more than willing. Tell him what you need. Tell him what you need. So we're gonna close today by having a time of prayer as a church. We're gonna join together in prayer and before we pray, um, really what I want you to do is to hear from one of our missionaries. Um, This is Bryce and Natasha Natir. They're gonna make their way up. Um, A lot of you know Bryce and Natasha. They were actually commissioned out of UBC back in 2015. Um, They're medical missionaries in Togo, um, providing healthcare, 
helping plant churches, make disciples in Togo, and I'm so grateful that they are part of our church. They came back about a year ago to be on furlough. If you were joining us last year for our outdoor services, you remember they came and joined us and shared an update on their ministry. Well, now their furlough time is quickly coming to an end, and they're getting ready to head back to Togo. I told Bryce that I was going to be preaching today about God as provider, and so I said, Bryce, come with us and share, like, what are some things going on in your life, in your ministry amongst the people of Togo? What are some real needs? And we'll join you in prayer, right, asking for them today. And so Bryce is going to share uh, some things going on in their ministry and with the people of Togo, and then we're actually going to pray, right? We're going to do it today. We're going to pray. So let's, let's hear from you and what the Lord has put on your heart. Yeah, so our... <laughs> 